0: one presents Stern Show Summer School Field Trip. Live from LA. It's the best. Call 833 Stern Show now
1: to talk all things Howard. Yo! Welcome to Stern Show Summer School. Today is Tuesday and we are live but we're live from a very special place. We're live from the SXM Studios out here in the garage in Los Angeles, Gary. Uh, you know, we normally do the show. I live out here in LA, and you're on the East Coast, so there's a lot of Zoom interactions. We've been doing that for a few years, but once again, we have reunited, and it feels so good.
2: Hello, hello, Rasan. I could see that. Um, the whole week that I spent with you, you are super yeah. happy. And we don't seem to have a, enough time together, but you're like, next time you come out here, I'm going to take you here, I'm going to take you there. Like, you're just very happy that we have all come to your home turf.
1: Well, you know, I'm solo dolo out here. It's like me, got the whole staff back there. So it, it's different, like the, you guys get to feed off of each other and all that. I don't, I don't get all of that out here.
2: I learned something about you on this trip on a personal level that I was shocked to find. I hope you, it was good. You, I, it was just interesting because I didn't think you were... Um, I didn't think you fell into this camp, but uh, you came the other night with your car, with your Tesla. Yeah. And Rasan is a uh, vanity plate guy. Listen, <laughs> is that a bad thing? I just, I didn't, I, I don't know what it is, but I was like, you pulled up with a vanity plate. And I was like, damn, Rasan's <laughs> like, he's balling.
1: You know, you know why I have a vanity plate? It's not even that I'm a big fan of the vanity plate, it's my car's black. Right. So in California, the license plates are white, and then it says California in red cursive, and then the numbers are, are blue. And my car is all black. It's all black, black rims, like triple black, blacked out. I blacked out all the logos and everything. So I just wanted the license plate to match.
2: You can't just get a black plate without it being a vanity plate? You can. But I'm like, if I'm going to <laughs> apply for all
1: of this and do all these extra steps, I'm going to get a custom plate. I, you know what? They have strict rules about that out here.
2: Oh, I know. They have a, I just saw a thing in New York yeah. about all the plates they rejected, Yeah. You're know, like Ass Man and yeah. stuff like that. Uh, was the plate you have, was that your first choice? That
1: was not my first choice. Uh, later this week, we're going to have Jimmy Jam here on Summer School with us, uh, and that's going to be a fantastic conversation. Uh, but the first... You know, Jimmy Jam was started his career, him and Terry Lewis, they were in the time mm-hmm. back in the day, you know, Morris Day, right. it was a Prince project. Uh, they have this song called 777
0: 9311.
1: Okay. That's what I wanted my license plate to be.
2: And they rejected it? Banned. Can't have it. Why?
1: I think they like try and steer away from certain pop culture stuff, and, and I wasn't allowed to have that one. So the one I actually have is like my 12th pick.
2: I, my guess is, because I was reading about the uh, the re- New York rejected license plates, Yeah, is whoever's in charge of it didn't understand it and just didn't want to deal with the possibility of it being bad. Are you
1: a vanity plate
2: guy? Never. And I'll tell you why. Why? Uh, Howard talked me out of it years ago. I almost did it. And Howard was like, why would you want to call attention to yourself? For me, from the show, yeah. right? Like, what am I going to do? I, I, Baba Booey. I, That's the only option. Baba Booey. Yeah, I would imagine that that there are some cars who are Baba Buoys. First of all, people used to send me their plates from all over the country. Yeah, There's a Baba Buoy for every state. There's different variations of it. But, you know, I always feel like the one guy who hates Baba Buoy is going to key my car, and why give him a road map?
1: I feel like because if you had the Baba Buoy plate, no one would actually think you're the real Gary. Yeah, So so like the heat
2: you think you would be getting, you wouldn't even be getting the heat. But you know why? Because only Baba Buoy, Gary would be a tool, if he got Baba Bowie on there. Yeah. And so Gary couldn't possibly do that because could he be that big a tool? Okay, so
1: say you're forced to get a vanity plate. Baba Bowie's off the table. You want to do a Stern Show reference. What's the vanity plate you're going to
2: get? Uh, hey, now. I mean, that's that's the, that's the ultimate. Yeah. And I wonder. I, mean, I bet you that's not available. Oh I'm sure it's not available. I bet you it's not available. Hey, now, uh, 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 I'm blowing my mind. Uh, I'm trying to think of what some short ones are. Yeah. Uh, maybe some Crackhead Bob ones. They're hard to come by, but they, I was reading this article literally on the plane about how there's this whole department in New York whose job it is to sift through them and try to decipher which ones are trying to slip through.
1: It's crazy. I ordered that uh, vanity plate. First of all, you, how much does registration cost in New York? Because registration out here is insane. I think I pay like eight hundred dollars a year for to, for my car registration. So
2: I'm in Connecticut. So registration in Connecticut. Is, I'm it, sorry. It, registration is cheap in the sense like it's eighty bucks or hundred bucks like that. But where they get you is I think there's a state tax and a local tax. Oh, so taxes insane. So for my like I, like I pay like six hundred dollars say for the Tesla, and you know it devalues every year. Like the next yeah. year it might be five hundred. But um, registration I I don't know. I think it's like eighty bucks. I think.
1: In California, California's a pretty progressive state. They're they're kind of on the front end of uh you know just I guess trying to treat the earth better. So out here, if you buy a Tesla, they they, you can apply for a a a credit a rebate from the from the state. So I they paid me like three thousand dollars for buying my Tesla. Did you get any money back? I didn't. I missed because Connecticut doesn't care about the no
2: no they do they do it was it was it was a federal thing. For like the first two hundred thousand people who had a Tesla, and I was like in the two hundred and one thousand, but I looked at another electronic vehicle from uh, yes. from a major company, and it was the sticker on it was sixty thousand dollars and By the time I got the federal rebate and the state rebate, it was going to be forty three thousand dollars They were going to give me stupid money to buy this car
1: okay, well, listen, today is a very, very busy day here on stern show summer school we 're doing something different than we normally do we have Not one live show today, Gary, but two live shows. Today, starting off right now, we have a very special guest. Patton Oswalt is going to join us in a couple minutes. Later tonight, though, Gary, we have a primetime event. And let me just run down the guest list. Later tonight, we have Andy Richter, Fred Armisen, Ike Barinholtz, and we have a special band leader, Matt Nathanson, will be joining us. And we're doing all this live from the SiriusXM Garage, In Los Angeles, and this is where Howard did his week of shows. What was that in 2019 when when he came out here?
2: October 2019. Yes. And and tonight, we have stashed on our plane in Stowaway a couple of special guests as well.
1: Yes. Well, uh, listen, let's get right into it. We have a very special guest to start off today's show. Uh, Give us a call. You're going to want to talk to him. 833 Stern Show, 833-783-7674. He's a comedian and actor. Mm. On Stern Show Summer School for the very first time, Patton Oswalt. What's up?
3: Guys, thanks for having me on. How are you? Good, good. It's always good to do a show that I have to drive 20 minutes to do. It's, it's, Isn't that rare. nice? It's really nice. Well, you know, love it. we're here
1: in L.A., and like we, we're trying to focus this week on just you know honoring the city. I live out here in Los Angeles. Gary's an East Coaster. Oh. You can't go anywhere in L.A. without it being 25 minutes. Right. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't matter if you're going a mile up the street. It's going to be 25 minutes for you to get there.
3: Yeah, that's why, like, native uh, Los Angelinos. What, they, what do we call ourselves? I guess we're Angelinos. Los, I don't know if you say yeah.
1: Los Angelinos. Los think, Angelinos?
3: Yeah. Well, especially when we watch movies where they're roaming all over the city and you see the cuts. Yeah. Where, <laughs> oh, that was a street in Santa Monica, and now you're in Eagle Rock somehow, yeah. and now you're back. Like, yeah, they just, there's, if, if movies that took place in L.A. paid attention to L.A. traffic, it'd yeah. all be five hours long.
1: When when did you first move to Los Angeles?
3: 1995.
1: And what and was the I, I grew up here. Oh. I don't remember the traffic being as bad in 1995 as it is now.
3: Where were you? Where did you grow up?
1: I was in uh, I was in Hawthorne, and uh-huh. and then I was in San Diego for a while. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I kind of bounced around uh, California for a little bit.
3: Um, I I gotta say I always remember traffic being pretty horrible. Yeah, yeah, it was especially you know I I was a Uh, a a suburban northern Virginia boy, and I was used to very dull, easy suburb traffic, and now suddenly uh, use the freeway for this much, and then get off the freeway, use the (laughs) service route, but then you got to get on the freeway before you get here. Everything was like... Driving somewhere was like planning a bank robbery. There were Hmm. so many elements that each had to be hit at the exact time, or you just end up in in hyperspace. I
2: I feel like... um, everybody thinks traffic is worse than it is now because there was no traffic for like a year and a half
3: well yes that was <laughs> by the way did any of you guys did you did either of you when when everything shut down because of covid did you sneak out just to go for a nice drive oh you? my yes. god yeah yeah oh, constantly
1: yes. Absolutely. when covid first started i was living in mid-city so not too far from here yeah uh and i remember one day i woke up and i went for a run it was like 4 a.m and i was like man the streets are empty right right so i finished my run it's like six i get back and i'm like I'm going to go for a drive. I had no idea where I was going to go. I get on the 110. I'm like, I'm going to go to Long Beach. Right. It took me 20 minutes.
3: Yeah, that's insane. It took
1: me 20 well, minutes.
3: <laughs> it was fun, except that he- here's about right... I remember very clearly the Monday after. Remember they announced the shutdown on Friday, the 13th of March. Yes. yes. So that Monday I had to drive somewhere to do something. And for a couple of days, people that did go out driving also seemed to think that traffic laws didn't matter anymore. (laughs) I saw people just kind of edging through red lights or just doing UEs in the middle or going on the wrong. I was I remember going down Ventura and there was a guy coming on the wrong Way on Ventura, just because I I can, and and then he looked angry at me for like like, I thought I had the road to myself. It's like no, you the track they didn't shut down traffic laws. It's not Omega Man. They're just everyone's just staying home.
1: And you know, and everybody thinks the city they live in has the worst drivers. I know everyone thinks that, but I'm telling you right now, we
2: suck out here. Oh Oh, yeah, no, no. no. Everybody thinks the argument is New York versus L.A., but it's not. They're second and third. It all starts Florida has the worst drivers. Oh, I'm really? it has really bad drivers. But I remember um, I had to go into the city for something, maybe like a doctor's appointment, like, or like two or three months after the pandemic, and I went by 6th Avenue where Sirius was. And I'm telling you, you could have rolled a bowling ball down the street and not hit anyone. It was wow. so, so bizarre. But now what's going on, and I don't know if, how you guys are dealing with it in L.A., New York just passed a law that's going to go effect in 2023, and when it does, people are going to go crazy. They're putting in – um, it's a tax. They're charging people to cross bridges below 60th, 60th Street. It's a tax to go below 60th Street. And what? it's one thing – it's like it was one thing if you – like when you jack up the price on a toll at a bridge, it's kind of like, all right, I'm already paying and it. it sucks that it's more. But now you're going to hit people with – which means I'm going to assume that even if – I don't know how it works, but if, say, you parked your car on 61st and took a cab – the cab's going to get charged to go below 60th. So they're going to really wait, hit people.
3: Wait, wait. How are they going to set up toll booths in the city of New York? How do they charge I think, that? I think
1: the idea, I think they're calling it congestion pricing. That's right. And I think what they're doing is that, like, right now you can cross over the Williamsburg Bridge for free. You just drive over. Uh-huh. And I think they're going to start charging a toll for that.
3: Okay. Because that's on
1: 14th Street, oh. falls below 60th Street.
3: Oh, oh, okay. I look, I've been I have never driven a car in New York, but I've been driven around a lot in New York. I'm always impressed with how much worse New York driving and traffic should be that all it's all near misses. It's all yes. Cra- you and you're in the I think Jerry Seinfeld did a bit how when you're in the back of a cab, it's like you're just watching a movie even though you're in the car like, "Wow, that looked really dangerous." <laughs> and I'm constantly seeing near misses and people almost killed, but it, could, it should be so much worse than it is. Well,
1: the difference out here is the near misses aren't near misses. People, people just die.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, you, you, yeah. Saw, you saw what happened in L.A. over the last couple of weeks. There was some insane <laughs> oh, car accidents
3: God. out there. God. There were a bunch of insane car accidents. Car accidents. Yeah. But,
2: but I'll tell you what's gone on in New York in, in the last couple of years that surprised me. There's a lot more um, cars on cars that go up on the curb. You know what? what? Yeah, go, there, there was a guy right in front of like Sirius. Like jumping a curb? There was a guy that jumped a curb right in front of Sirius right before the pandemic. Guy lost his leg. I think Dr. Oz <laughs> came to the rescue because he was going to NBC. and um, yeah, I'd be like, I'm, no, I'm you sorry, know what, wait, Dr. Wait. Oz? I'm, I'm going to lose the leg. Thanks. And,
3: and but wait a minute. But he's a Pennsylvania resident. Why was he in New York? <laughs> That's weird. Was he like visiting from his. Cause he's he's Pennsylvania born and bred, right? He's lived there his whole life. Why, so he must have been doing one of those rare, like visits to New Jersey and New York that he does. That's yeah. a rare sighting. Well, he had to come to New York to do his show. Because hey, he get, go to old Philly. We call him Philly Oz. You know, we Gino Gino Steak Oz. That
1: guy. <laughs> Jesus well, Patton, it's good to have you here. Uh, I want to get right into it. You have a new movie coming out called "I Love My Dad." Yes. I, w- I watched this movie. We both last saw time, it, right? Oh, you did. It's <laughs> fucking disturbing. <laughs> yeah. All right, it's, it's it is. It's disturbing, and the crazy part is, it's a true story. Now, give for our audience who hasn't seen it, give them like a a quick little synopsis of of what it is
3: well it is based on a true story i'm just gonna get that out of the way for the the writer director and my co-star this happened to him he cut he was catfished by his own dad (laughs) basically he cut off his dad when he was in his 20s he and his dad had some massive argument blocked him on all social media blocked him on the phone but his father created A fake Facebook profile. Cute girl. Yeah. contacted him. Just want to talk about stuff. It was a way for the father in his very messed up way to stay in touch with his son. And then the son sort of started falling for this girl and was flirting with her. And the father didn't want to lose contact. So he kind of flirted back. It was... And then he found that it was his dad. It was so messed up. So he, this movie is, I play the dad, he plays the son, and we take it to the, the absolute worst extremes you could take this to.
2: Oh, yes, you do. Oh, and, uh,
3: oh yes, we do.
2: And, and I was saying that, like, when I saw the movie, I knew that it was based on a true story, but had I not known that, I would go, this movie has a lot of flaws in it. Like, this is just not believable. And then when you find out it's true, it's super disturbing.
3: It's yeah, very, very disturbing and sad. And again, it, it it's... Uh, it, it, it's boomers on the internet trying to talk to their millennial kids. Well,
2: well, hold on, speaking of boomers, because we should get this out of the uh, way. Oh, oh, yes, let's get this out so, of so, the way. So I told I, I told Rasan today that you and I mm-hmm. communicate from time to time over the years on Facebook Messenger.
1: That's oh, right! And, and you know what the funny thing is? <laughs> Facebook, <laughs> Facebook is the ultimate old person's yes. form of, of social media. Yes, it is. Like, no one under...
2: <laughs> we know, we know. Yeah. <laughs> so Rasan said are you sure it's patent? And I go, it's pretty sure. And he goes, are you sure you're not getting catfish?
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, that is. Yeah, that's right. We do. We're connected on Facebook, and you'll send me about a movie you yes. saw or something. like, Hey, I like because you're kind of a movie buff, too, yes. so we'll talk about stuff. Oh, my God. <laughs> I remember years ago you were talking about the movie it was it was uh that movie high art had come out with uh rada mitchell and uh, ali sheedy and you said something about rada mitchell who's also in pitch black you're like she is so insanely distractingly beautiful that even though she's a great actress it detracts (laughs) from the movie that she's in because in real life everybody would just be hitting on like the plot would just be everyone going can we just go out or like i just remember that very clearly like yes that's rada mitchell's Blessing and curse is she's that ridiculously good looking.
2: Well, we were talking about a bunch of movies that you've been in over the years. And uh, uh, I, first of all, seeing you in person is funny because I feel like I see you every day. It's either a King of Queens rerun or so, like I see you every day somewhere. <laughs> or maybe you're
1: stalking him on, no. on Facebook as uh, a young, attractive woman. Well, yeah.
2: We were talking about the movie Big Fan, which I think is an insanely underrated movie. Thank you. And there's you know there's a guy on our show named Bobo who oh. calls... All the time he's a he's our extreme fan and he oh, literally no. has a book of questions and i tell everyone they should watch this movie because you're kind of channeling bobo from our show oh good lord
3: well i remember talking to sports talk guys after the movie came out and they said you do not understand the number of callers we have the regular guys and we know we can tell they're reading off a script they've yeah. written and, and 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 they have that weird ocd thing where when they're in the studio they go well it's four twelve p.m. on Thursday. We know who's going to be calling right now because yes. that's their time. And they almost work out little slots for them to call in.
1: Well, one thing you realize is when you're in radio, people <laughs> listen to you every day. Yeah. They feel like they are like you're a part of their lives. They yes. feel like they know you and they probably do know you better than they know some people that they come across with every day but don't have those kind of conversations with because they're hearing intimate details about you and whatnot.
3: I remember remember Howard we get so annoyed when people would call and go, Hey, how you doing? That was right. always their first But in in their defense, they thought, but I've been I hang out with Howard every day. That is the polite thing to say to him. Like yeah. we we're friends. You like in their mind them. they're friends. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I,
2: the, the weirder thing, it would be, like, I would be out with my wife and kids, right? Uh-huh. Somebody would come up and they would go, oh, my God, Gary, this is so great. Is this Mary? Is this Jackson? Is this Lucas? And my kids would be like, how the fuck do they know me? Oh, and they would be like, I've been listening to your dad forever. He went to Adelphi. He's just years old. And, like, <laughs> and they start just spewing facts. And oh. and it is, it is – mostly out of love. Like, yes, like you look at it and you go, oh, I appreciate that. You appreciate us. Yeah, but it's still a little jarring.
3: It's a little jarring. And I mean, again, 99% of your fans are always going to be really cool. And they've got, and then there, there is the 1% that not through the no fault of their own, they got damaged by something. And you are (laughs) filling way too big a space in their life where you're like, you should enjoy my stuff. And let's just leave it at that. I'm not going to give you a clipping of my hair for the doll that you're making. Yeah.
1: You You know, know, you're, uh, um, you're, a com- you're a comedian and uh, a lot of the roles you play when you act are, are comedic roles mm-hmm. and then you do the uh, uh, the ca- occasional serious role like yeah. with Big Fan and then I Love My Dad. Mm-hmm. What's How different is your process when you're making a movie like I Love My Dad where there's some funny elements to it but at the end yeah. of the day uh, there's layers to your character. That's one thing I did notice is yes, this guy is out of his mind but you could tell he really loves his kid. He's just really going about this the completely wrong way.
3: He really loves his kid. He thinks thinks that he's the hero of this that in in the face of all of this injustice being blocked by my son being divorced by my wife i am the one person the one sane person doing the right thing so if you're playing a comedic character or a dramatic character what's really my way to do comedy is always or for me, the funniest comedy is when a character is deadly serious about what they are doing. It makes it more ridiculous. Yeah. So movies like Repo Man or shows like Veep, when you watch those shows like Veep, everyone on that show is dead serious. They are not they they. It's not a comedy to them, which makes it that much funnier because yeah. they're so ridiculous. So uh, this guy, I had to play a weird combination of deadly serious during the um uh funny parts and then during the parts where it was serious you'll see that my character is trying in a very bad way to lighten up the serious moments, which make them even worse. Yeah. Like, like when things are serious and someone is so nervous and ill at ease that they're trying to crack a joke or trying, that just makes it 10 times worse. Yeah. Like actually lean into the seriousness.
2: Yeah. I mean, Rasan and I were talking about this morning and he said, the interesting thing is the guy wants to be a good dad yeah. and he does everything in the Except world. Except be a good dad. Except be a good dad. Like, right. All he has to do is like drive over to the house and go, Hey, I, know I haven't seen you in a while. I'm here. Let's go have dinner. Whatever. Right.
3: Well, he's also the class, and I've been guilty of this. I think a lot of people are guilty of this. He is, but he is full time. But don't I get credit for wanting to do the exactly. right thing? Wait a minute. I have to actually follow through and do it? You can't get credit for just wanting uh, But it. I thought, yeah. but, but I really want to. Isn't <laughs> yeah. that good? Yeah. And, and that I have run into some problems in my life with that. Like I wanted to do the right thing, yeah. but you then have to actually do it.
1: There's got to be some follow through. Right. Uh, what was it like being a producer on the movie?
3: Uh, it, was, it was fascinating to watch how you kind of assemble the different departments and how everyone, yes, I'm an actor doing a job and that's my area, but the person who is doing the lighting design, the person who's doing the production design, the person who's location scouting is doing just an ar- as artistic and soulful a job as you are. They are putting themselves into that. Yeah. that. That means something to them. Even people that are laying down track for the camera, they, there is that artistic pride in it is completely silent you will not like yeah. they they love that so so everyone is getting together and everyone is making a movie and they should all be treated as such
2: but do you ever get to the point where um where you're like, oh my god, I am the final word on this. Maybe it's too much. Like Howard and I took <laughs> our favorite episode of the Larry Sanders Show, is when Larry's like out of the loop, so he says, "I want to be in the loop."
3: Oh, that's right. Like, <laughs> and then he's in
2: the loop, and he goes, "Get me out! It's an evil loop." I, do wanna I don't want
3: to know, please. Yeah. When when he gets a taste of what Artie has to do, not day to day, minute to minute. Yes. Yes. He's like, you know what? How about you shield me from all this shit? Exactly. But you're
2: yeah. but you're not shielded. You're the guy.
3: Well, yeah. Except that there were days, especially the heavy emotional days, where there was. Thank God, associate producers, second ads. Where I was like, make sure that gets done, and I need to go put in earphones and just think for a little while and get ready because there's going to be some really deep stuff I got to go through.
1: Do you? Did you get? Um, you know, this is an unusual movie. I mean, it's it's winning awards at all the festivals that it's been at. It's yep. getting rave reviews. I saw it last night. It's generally uncomfortable watching it. <laughs> I'm, I was watching it with my wife, and I'm like, this is.
3: You watched it at home. I watched it at home with my wife. We've been doing screenings. We did screenings all weekend in theaters, and watching it with an audience is quite an experience. Yeah,
1: what's it like?
3: Uh, A lot of, like, because you're in a room full of strangers and you are all experiencing the same cringe. Yeah. And there's a weird sense of, are we all seeing the same thing? Like, it actually connects people in a very weird way. Yeah. It's It's a great lobby movie, whereas... When I, when I say lobby, I mean when the movie's done, everyone's in the lobby like, "What the
1: fuck?" What, exactly. How
3: did they? Sh-? You know that kind of thing. Is it, that that feels great?
1: Gary, was there any point when you watched the movie? It's rare this happens to me. There was <laughs> there was like twice when I kind of had to like, I got so uncomfortable, I kind of had to like. You start like looking at your phone to like avoid looking at what's happening on the movie? Yeah, sure. It's
2: it's <laughs> it's, it's you know, it's the scenes where he's sexting with his dad, but he doesn't know it's his dad <laughs> which is which is kind of funny in the movie. Do you do you embrace the uncomfortability? Do you be like, We made this movie to be uncomfortable on purpose?
3: Well, I mean, no, I, I don't we didn't do it to be uncomfortable on purpose. We just shot what the logical end of these scenes would be most of which are uncomfortable but i think if you go into a scene with the agenda of i'm going to make this uncomfortable even before we shoot it in 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 a weird way we were like how do we make this as normal seeming as possible which in my mind makes things even more uncomfortable because everyone is treating it as if it's normal
2: yeah you know, it's,
3: it's like when a comedian tells you that they're dangerous and edgy, you immediately go, they're not. Yeah. Because you shouldn't have to say that about yourself. I right.
2: remember when the movie Bruno came out, we had Sasha Baron Cohen on the show on Monday, yeah. and my wife and I had gone to a theater in Connecticut to see it, yeah. and several people walked out in the middle of the movie. Yeah. And so that Monday morning, you know, Sasha Baron Cohen's in the green room, and I go, oh, my wife and I went to see the movie, and he goes, where? I go, in the suburbs. And he lit up, and he goes, how many walkouts? <laughs> and I was like, four, and that made him so fucking happy.
3: I wrote on the Borat movie i was one of the early writers when todd phillips was directing it and then they switched directors and i had to go back to king of queens and i couldn't go back but what was amazing about sasha baron Cohen is he is never trying to go for edgy or uncomfortable he literally in his mind that is what comedy is he's not it, the, the truly edgy dangerous people are the people who think that they're normal when they're doing like he thinks but that's what good comedy is you're know, like <laughs> yeah. Dude, are you're going to have a fucking naked like basic slap fight in an okay like 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 mapping that stuff out, but in his mind he's like, yeah, that's a funny comedy scene. <laughs> like, holy.
1: It shit. also takes a lot of balls to do what he does because he's the only person in the moment that's in on the joke. Whereas yep. when you're acting in a movie like I Love My Dad, everybody, everybody's an actor. And here he's right. like, I'm just a wild man uh, talking crazy to these Trump supporters, and I don't know how they're going to react if they're going to my well, ass. Well,
3: especially if you watch the sequel, there's that one moment where I don't think they planned it well enough, and he gets trapped in that trailer. And they're basically they're attacking. It's like a scene from Night of the Living Dead yeah. where he's barricaded in a truck, and they're just banging on yeah. the walls. You're like, I can't believe I'm seeing this right now.
1: Man, this is great stuff. Let's take a break. Pat, oh, thank you for joining us. Oh, We're going to take me. a break. Give us a call at 833-STERN-SHOW, 833-783-7674. It's Rasan. Gary's out here on the West Coast.
0: Woo-hoo. Yeah.
1: Gary, say yay, yay real quick. Yay, 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 yay. We got Pat Oswald. We'll be back right after this. She took me to a fish
0: fry. Summer School
1: Field Trip, live from L.A., on Howard 101. Yo, welcome back to Stern Show Summer School. A special week this week is Tuesday, and we are out here in Los Angeles at the SXM Garage. Gary and the gang have made the trip out of out here. We have Patton Oswald sitting in with us today. Later today at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, we have a primetime show with just a ton of people, so guys get a treat today not one but two stern show summer Mm. schools uh gary there was something you wanted to talk to Patton about
2: yes yeah i mean there's something in your career that i think howard really resonates with him and howard's always like man would i like howard always want to be a game show host because like it just goes on and on and in essence it's it's syndicated oh yeah and you're in two shows that are now syndicated and one of the shows the goldbergs which i love that to me that's the dream in the uh, sense like i always wanted to ask you're the voiceover guy like yeah. like sagat was in how i met your mother yes like, like daniel stern was in the one of yes and is that a do you go in like one day a year and just do them all
3: <laughs> i do a day a week they i had to you know they work they actually work pretty hard on those strips. so there's a lot of like we just do one a week and then i'll do um adr like a couple days afterward just for a couple lines but um yeah, it's and I have a little home setup, so I can just they call me up, Facetime me. Okay, here we go, and in half an hour I'm done.
2: That was going to be my next question. So you can literally do it from the closet.
3: I from the I, I can I walk down the hall from the kitchen, and then I go earn my money. Very very lucky.
2: That is great. It's such a yeah. great show, and I feel like um like. For a guy like you, my guess would be, you know, having King of Queens and shows like that allows you then to go do the things that you
3: want to do. Yes. King of Queens is the reason that I was able to do stuff like Comedians of Comedy. Um, It gave me the solid enough basis that I could go and do smaller clubs where I wasn't making a lot of money, but I was building the fan base that I needed. So I was very, very fortunate, you know, to have shows like that. But also... King of Queens was a blast to do. All the writers were stoners. They were always <laughs> pulling weird pranks. There's the one episode where they dared me to stand still in a scene. There's a scene where I'm in it, but I don't have any lines. So they went, do not move the whole scene. See if we can get away with it. See if anyone catches it. And there's a scene. Um, I forget what it's called. It's called maybe blocking dummy or something, but I am completely immobile through the whole scene and it's like there's a thing on YouTube about it and they were always like sneaking weird phrases in, and also just getting to watch Kevin James Jerry Stoller, Leah Remini they're such amazing TV actors and that was something that I wasn't good at TV acting is really hard very hard to make it look natural why? it's such an unnatural setting it's so each scene is its own little thing Um, okay cut Next setup, And you have to also then pause for the laughs, um, but make it seem like that's part of the conversation. It is a very unnatural art form that the truly great actors, TV actors like Danny DeVito and Kelsey Grammer, um, you know, they, they can really, really deliver that and make it look so natural. It's very hard to do. And Kevin's one of them. Kevin, there are, there are moments in that show that he doesn't even have dialogue. Just the way that he reacts to things are so hilarious.
1: What's it like when you're filming a movie? The scenes just last longer and there's not as much uh, stopping and going?
3: Yeah, it, well, uh, well, A, we're we're not pausing for laughter. We're yeah. not, there's, isn't that weird rhythm? And, yeah, they try to make it more with uh, a sitcom. It's A, B, C, and X camera. So there's, you know, four camera angles. And then you got to sometimes do parts of the scene, sure. but not the whole scene. With a movie... It's usually at most two cameras and they want to try to do the scene all the way through as much as they can to make it seem natural.
2: But do you ever have to do like a super emotional scene where you're playing to someone except that someone's not there? Like the camera's on you and you're like – you're trying to be emotional and you're, and you're looking at, a I don't know, a tennis ball?
3: Yeah, I've had, I've had scenes where I had to – I've had to react to things that weren't there, like things that were supposed to be frightening and they weren't there. And you've got to really like go over the top. That's why that's, what's so interesting about when you watch the star Wars prequels, it's like the best actors, like Ewan McGregor and all these people. And, and there, you could tell they were so excited to go do star Wars. And now they're in a warehouse in front of a green blanket. And there's some nerd with a tennis ball in the end of a pool cue going, all right, this is his face. Just talk here. This is the monster. And, and yeah. like Liam Neeson and you, you see, it, when you watch a movie you can see how let down they are like <laughs> god damn it i why did i sign up for this
1: <laughs> you have your new uh netflix special coming out yes and this is your directorial debut
3: yep i did i my this year was my producing debut and my directorial debut that's a pretty
1: big deal was it overwhelming i mean doing taking on both of those roles for yes. you
3: well it was very overwhelming in that when you're doing a if you're filming a, a a comedy special, it's not like okay, we'll we'll do this scene this way. It's like I'm gonna walk out, and we got to map out exactly where I'm gonna be and where I'm gonna need the cameras for certain shots. And and we're, we've got two shots at this. Yeah, that's it. We're those. We're, we have two takes. Maybe a couple of cleanups at the end, but we didn't. Luckily, we didn't do that. You really have to. I, I think a lot of directing is about being humble and just going, hey. Uh, Mr. Director of Photography, this is my vision for this scene. Do you think that works or do you have a better idea? Because if you have a better idea, I'll take it. Hmm. You know, and a lot of times some of my ideas worked and the other ones are like, yeah, but see, if, you're, if that's how you're landing this punchline, it's better if we're shooting you from the elbow up. A close-up, you're going to lose all your body language. Yeah. And that's part of the, the laugh. So they pay attention to stuff like that, which is so helpful. Because half the time I'm just in my head. You know,
1: directing is one thing, but to me it's always interesting when someone is both directing and then starring oh yeah how how do you balance being the comedian and then being the guy that has to make all the you know make the
3: show run it's well, it's interesting you bring that up for a comedian, you've got to do as much preparation as you can beforehand, yeah because you can't stop. During the show and go, hang on, we're gonna move this like because <laughs> it kills the momentum. You've got to have the whole hour now with the film. James Morricone wrote, directed, and and co starred in "I Love My Dad." So there was kind of uh, pr- like mental preparation every morning for him to go. Like I've got to be emotional here, and I've also got to be aware of certain shots, and you know. And then there's also things that I'm not like I'm not in this scene, but I'm in the scene that's next, so I've got to know. If I have a vision in my head for how I want the next scene to go, this has got to lead up to it. So I got to direct these actors to get it to where it needs to be for the next shot. Mm. It was pretty exhausting for him.
2: When when you're a director of a movie that you're starring, and I always wonder, do you call and uh, start and call this um, the the photography, or do you let someone else do that because you got to get your head in there?
3: Yeah, that's a good question. I would imagine you would have your camera operator call that or did the dp call that you don't want to be on you're yeah.
2: rolling and then yeah. have to be you know. action my
3: darling <laughs> a, yeah that would be ve- that'd be a very weird switch i don't know if i could do that i mean eventually I'm, I'm gonna direct a movie i don't know if i'll also be in it hopefully that's why like lately like ben stiller has become such an amazing director and but his stuff he's doing like escape at mora and um Severance. Uh, Severance is so intense and so brilliant. And I remember him because he directed and starred in uh, Secret Life of Walter Mitty. And it was real. it was really exhausting for him. And I think he finally was like, I'm just going to focus on the image and the story. And it freed him up to go to this next level. It- it's amazing. Yeah. How what an amazing director he is.
1: Well, speaking of Ben Stiller, he was on with Howard and he was on talking about Oh, uh, so
3: he gets to be on with Howard, and, I, and, and I'm listen, that's the th- level he's on, and I'm with you guys. You
1: get Gary Delabate. Okay, uh, you get Boba <laughs> Booey. But he doesn't have the Baba Booey Vanity license plate.
3: So, I'm very, guys, I'm very happy to be here. Thank you. I do not, I do not think of Howard as the Glengarry Gary leads. But so we please. saw you
1: at 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 uh, Comic Con. You you hosted oh, the Severance panel.
3: Were you in the audience?
1: Uh, well, we saw the coverage oh, of it. We coverage. weren't actually there. But how there was Comic Con post COVID?
3: Uh, to me, it was very, very dicey. I didn't go on the floor. Uh, I, cause I just didn't see the, the safety regulations kind of going on. I heard there wasn't any, um, outbreaks, but it's so crowded and I just don't do, as I get older, I don't do well in big crushy crowds and also i'm a little spoiled because i used to go to comic-con in the early 90s when it wasn't massive yeah. and you could wander around and it was ju- it wasn't taken over by the studios and you could just walk around and go oh here's dan clouds just at a table saying hi you can just talk to people and they'd be wandering around i you know you would occasionally run into c- celebrities i um I, I was walking around one time and a guy in a luchador mask came up and said hello. And then he pulled it up and it was Paul Rubens. I was like, oh, <laughs> hey, man. Because he even back then, he would have been swarmed. Yeah. So he just then put his thing back down.
1: Gary, uh, I've actually never been to Comic-Con before.
2: We did a show from there uh, some years ago. I remember.
1: It's,
3: Where did it, you broadcast from?
2: Um, outside of Comic-Con. We were, like, at a hotel,
0: oh,
1: like, right okay. outside.
2: But I remember I would go running every morning, and I would see, like, the lines of people waiting to get in. Uh, and uh, um, it's a very dedicated group of people with the costumes. and And then when you get inside, it's just, like, it's a lot. Oh. I mean, it's a lot. You don't even know where to go. Well, like, how no. serious do you
1: get with your con? Because you know, people go all the way. Yo, oh, no, you never no. want to go full con, but some people do.
3: You know, I, I don't. I don't cosplay it up. Um, I, I do try to go if I can get to the floor. I couldn't do it this year. I like to go to this place called Artist Alley. Yes, and you bring your notebook and they draw stuff for you. But I couldn't do that this year. I. Nothing is sadder when you see someone who really puts their time into a costume, and then they're on the floor, and every two seconds someone wants a picture with it, and they can't enjoy their con. Oh,
2: I was I, – I went – the year that I went, yeah. I saw literally 50 Khaleesi's <laughs> ranging from, like, 100 pounds to 300 pounds. Right. Like, every Khaleesi imaginable, every color imaginable. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure, like, the one that showed up goes, oh, I'm going to be the only Khaleesi there.
3: Right. Well, okay. I don't know if the story is true. I saw the first part of the story. The second part, I think it's apocryphal. I want this to be true, but I don't think it is. Okay. One year I hosted a panel, uh, interviewed Tim Burton for Alice in Wonderland, and, you know, talked about his movies and, and, and that movie. And then, as a surprise, Johnny Depp walks out, just walks out on stage. Everyone goes nuts. Then we're back in the green room, Hall H green room, and I'm over, I overheard Johnny talking to his handler or somebody. And he was saying, oh, I'd, I'd love to go walk around on that floor, like, you know, look at the art and stuff. And, and then I heard her go, you can't go down there. You can't go down there. You'll be mobbed and it'll be crazy. I'm sorry. You just can't go down there. And then they left. Now, what I heard, I don't think this happened. I just want this to be true so bad. What I heard was that he and his assistant, or maybe he just went to one of those Halloween superstores, bought an out-of-the-bag Jack Sparrow costume, (laughs) threw it on, and then walked around, which you remember, there's 900 Jack Sparrows, and nobody looked at him twice. Well, I feel like if there's any
1: way you can, if there's any place you can show up and play yourself without people really thinking it's you... It's got to be Comic-Con. And,
3: and especially because what he did was, oh, I'm going to put on the costume that took no effort, which yeah. no one looks at. Right. And also the, the vibe, what I heard was everyone going, oh, this guy looks a little like Johnny Depp right. who thinks he's Jack Sparrow. This is sad. I he heard just that, bought that out of a bag.
1: I heard that Brian Cranston walked around a Comic-Con wearing a Walter White mask. Oh,
2: that's that could be. <laughs> very, yes, he yes. did, because
3: then he went on a panel and he pulled the mask off and it was him. And you, everyone lost their minds. You know,
2: when you talk about Artist Alley, like I'm not a big art guy, but that was for me the most fascinating oh. part. And one of the things, and I think there's a reality show in there, is all the people that come from all over the world with their art, it's almost like American Idol. Yeah. And they go to the, and they go to the artist and say, can you look at my stuff? Am I any good? Yeah, and it's kind of fun to watch. Oh yeah, that
3: is, and also there are people in Artist Alley that are kind of doing that, like, hey, get my name out there, like you know, because that's where I think some publishers will go looking for new talent. Right. But then, yes, there are also like Billson Kevitch is down there making you know a hundred grand because everyone's like, could you draw Electra and and have her fighting the Blues Brothers, and then also have it like everyone has their weird requests, and so yeah, the the big ones get mobbed.
1: I want to talk to you about your podcast that you have with your wife. Yes. Uh, did you get my text? Now, here on the Stern Show, there's this thing that that happens. Mm. Guys like Gary, Howard, Robin, and Fred—they've been together. Their careers have spanned thirty plus, forty plus years.
3: I remember listening to you guys back in uh, Washington, D.C. That's wow. the first on time you DC got into the show, Howard yeah. Stern. Fifty wow. ways to rank your mother. I had oh, the yeah. album. I had it all memorized, all of it.
1: There's a thing here on the show where. <laughs> Even though these guys have been together for so long in their family, yeah. they have all the difficult conversations on the microphone. Oh, because hell yeah. Do you do the same thing with your wife? We
3: have had, oh God, there are moments where I'm telling a story and then she will jump in on something and then I will get so annoyed. Like I was, <laughs> I was telling this really complex story about the making of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and how um, one of the crew members had gone to a set of a big Hollywood movie that was shooting like a mile away to steal some of their craft service food. And he got chased <laughs> away. And it was a Sydney Lumet film. And I was trying to talk about how like huge things colliding. And my, my wife just was like, hadn't said anything for like a minute. And then she went, I auditioned for Sydney Lumet one time. And it was like, did you, Listen to anything I just said. She was like, no, but I heard you say Cindy Lumet. I'm like, what? Like, so. Well,
2: that's, that's called being married.
3: Yeah, it is. Yeah, exactly. You, you tune them out and then, oh, I know that part. Yeah. So it was that. But yeah, I mean, you guys definitely, there's that always playing out of this is what our relationship is like and it does yeah. work it, from an outsider it's like well they, those, they shouldn't be working together like no 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 this is why the show is great yeah because everyone's clanging into each other like this it makes it really fun
1: well gary you sat down with fred last week mm-hmm. and i listened to that interview i thought it was great and you brought up the conversation. I, I, the not the conversation, but the criticism I gave you. Like, you know, you guys can't be vulnerable with each other, and you've known
2: each other for so long. So I started the interview with Fred. We were just doing a deep dive with Fred. Yeah, and I started with that. Rasan and I had spoken. Like, he, he goes, "Do you love Fred?" I go, "I love Fred like you can't believe." It. And he goes, "Well, why don't you tell him that?" And I was like, "Because that's we don't do that." Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, so I started off by telling Fred how much I appreciate him. Mm-hmm. But um, Rasan and you were talking about this earlier. Like, I've even. especially more in the early days, have had conversations with my wife through the show. And like the one I remember specifically was my wife wanted to get something for the house Uh and I wanted a treadmill and we were kind of locked in it. And then I brought that conversation to the air and Howard and I talked about it in the air. Then my wife heard it, then it was easier to have that conversation with her once we did it on the air. But it's also insanely dangerous.
3: Wow, yes. I mean, there's been some, I mean, I can remember some kind of intimate stuff that got discussed on the show
2: <laughs> Oh yeah, years yeah. where you're like,
3: yeah, maybe don't bring that one up.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, I, there were – before – when we were on Terrestrial Radio and the show was only on in the morning and it wasn't rebroadcast. Right. And I was in charge of what was rebroadcast for Best Of, oh. right? <laughs> um, th- like There were two things that were going on. First of all, one time – like, Howard would ask me something and I would look at the clock on the wall because I knew my wife didn't get up till 7. So if it was <laughs> 6.30, I might talk about it. And then the other thing is, like, I would – somehow something got brought up but i know I, my wife doesn't listen every minute of every day and i go home and she'd be cooking and it would be this weird thing i go uh hear the show today and she go why
0: i was
3: like, no, uh-huh. just checking
0: <laughs> but
2: you're like almost snitching on yourself
3: yeah no no you're, you're like snitching you're on, yourself. on yourself though but hang on though when you're doing those best of certain, were there moments where you're like this was such an ugly tense scene to to live through however this is great radio and yes. we've got to play it on best of stern yes. all the time yeah all the time and, 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 also,
2: and also i did that for, like I, there's things that fred was like you know that's really fucking uncomfortable that you're replaying that i'm like that's what we do
3: oh yeah when when, when his wife was doing tony's wedding tony 18 is yeah tony oh boy yeah. I, that was very, that was like even i remember when i was listening i was like i think they've covered this maybe let's all move like this is yeah. like i thought Fred was going to like leap over the pencil yeah, and attack yeah, him. Yeah. It was so uncomfortable. But
2: but but if you're a true member of this show, mm-hmm. and it is one of the things that I do get a compliment on, like I never shield myself. Yeah. like we're we're all yeah. in it, and I, if I'm going to fuck with you, I can't. Take away you fucking with me.
3: Yeah, I remember there's an author, uh, James Elroy. He said something I love, which is it says in the Bible, judge not lest ye be judged. But that means if you're willing to be judged and judged harshly, then judge on, motherfucker. <laughs> like, as long as you're open to the feedback yes. that that's what that phrase means. It goes, oh, go ahead and judge. Just know that it's going to come back yes. at you. It's like, fine, let's do it. And it does. Yeah.
1: Well, Gary, I'm just impressed that you were able to get what you want because in my house, my wife gets everything she wants. So I need your wisdom.
2: I never get anything I want. First of all, I never get anything I want. I'm bringing about a W in 96, so don't get
1: I'm, I'm just saying a <laughs> W is a W. I've been with my wife for
2: 10 years, and I don't have any wins.
3: I'm like the oh. fucking Clippers. I suck. Really? Yeah, I'm horrible. Do you have like the like the Babe Ruth curse on you? You can't you can't win an argument.
1: I, w- I think I think the, the small minor victory I got is uh, I got I got my kids, my first kid's name. That was it. Her first name. I got really? that.
3: And even, <laughs> even that was a
1: fucking fight. Uh, there's one more thing I want to talk to you about okay. before we wrap up. Right. Uh, Howard is always talking about voicing animated characters. Uh, he talked about the gigs he's offered. Ultimately, he's never taken them. Uh, and you, why
3: is he he has such a vocal range? why he doesn't have to do it as his own voice? He can do different voices? Why not? It's great? I think Howard
1: Gary, and you can clarify this more, I think Howard likes the idea of stuff more than he actually wants to do them.
3: Yes, he like exactly. Warren, Warren Beatty will, will hear any project and get all excited about it and then eventually not do it. And then yeah. his, the word is, oh, he likes to date movies. He just doesn't want to marry them.
2: I mean, I, Howard, again, like, oh, I would kill to do a game show. And then I think sometimes he gets offered game shows. He's like, yeah, I thought I, you know, that, that was like, <laughs> I, I said that. I didn't think you were going to actually ask me if I want to do one. It's, it's got to be the golden gig for you. I mean, you have
1: oh. made your way into the MCU universe uh, voicing animated characters.
3: Yes, uh god, I mean I'm I'm do I narrate the Goldbergs, I'm Matthew the Raven in The Sandman. Um I'm uh Pip the Troll on the on the Turtles. I was modoc Yeah, I mean getting to do voiceover is the best. It's so much fun. Is it, it
1: uh and and how what's the difference What's the difference in your process uh when you're standing in a studio behind a microphone staring at your character on the screen voicing it?
3: Um well, a lot of times you don't have the character on screen. A lot of times you're creating the character that they will then draw or ah. render. It's when you're doing ADR. And that can be kind of nerve wracking because you go out of your way. Like what was frustrating, with, I mean, wasn't frustrating. When I did Ratatouille, I came in with a bunch of voices and they went, no, 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 we want your voice. Do your actual voice. Mm. Um, and same with Matthew the Raven. I was going to do more of a like, listen, boss. I go, no, 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 just do your voice. We wrote it that way. Um, so th- there are people, there are voice Actors like Gray Delisle and Phil Lamar that literally have 80 different personas on call whenever they need to pull from it. And a lot of times I'm just doing variations of myself within different. um, So it's much more closer to acting. I have to be way more physical. They they are embodying and almost like leaving themselves to become something totally new. Yeah. You know, you could play, you could play four different Phil Lamar um, voice performances and not know that's the same guy like there are people that are like at like Mel Blanc level yeah we're like that's the same guy They're yes, like the that's elite of the elite yeah, yeah oh yeah for sure Incredible. yeah
1: well Patton thanks for joining us today man you guys yeah. make sure you check out his movie I love my dad it's Incredibly uncomfortable. <laughs> yes, but it's worth the watch. Compelling. It's it's, compelling. it's Wild. It's Please absolutely wild. See
3: it with an audience. You'll trust me. You'll have so much fun watching it with an audience. And
1: also, go to Netflix on September twentieth. His new stand-up special, "We All Scream," will be available. Thanks for joining us, man.
3: God, so good to see you too. Appreciate it, you,
1: Gary. Don't go anywhere. When we come back, we'll kick off today's
2: program.
0: Stern Show summer school field trip. Live from L.A., call 833-STERN-SHOW to talk to Gary and
1: Hassan now. Oh, yeah, turn that Snoop Dogg up. Listen, fun show today, Gary, with yes. Patton Oswalt. Uh, got a double dose for you. You get us live at 10 a.m. on the West Coast, and you get us live at 5 p.m. on the West Coast tonight, Gary. You and I, primetime star-studded event Here on Howard 101, Fred Armisen, Andy Richter, Ike Barinholtz, and a special guest, our band leader, Matt Nathanson. You guys have to tune into this. It's going to be fun. That is a
3: crazy good lineup. It's a crazy good lineup. Oh, my God. Oh, and we
1: have some special guests that I will not name at this time that will also join us. It's going to be insane.
2: By the way, I, I always wonder, like, we put this lineup together. We started with this one, and then this one agreed to it, and it could be... Three guys who are just all elbowing each other out of the way. <laughs> yes. Or they could all get quiet. I never know what it's going to be. but Exactly. I, but we have a couple of surprises for them that I think is going to make them very
3: happy. Oh, my well, God. It's going
2: to be back. like a pickup game in here. There's going to be so <laughs> many fucking
3: people.
1: Somebody's getting dunked on tonight wow. uh, in more ways than one. Oh Today, though. Uh, right here on Howard 101, every day after Stern Show Summer School. You guys have to stay tuned because we have special programming for you. You can see video of some of these moments on the SXM app. So head over to the app, scroll to the Howard section, uh, and you can catch the content there. But for right now, we're going to kick off, Gary. Uh, Mr. 305 himself, Pitbull, Dalé, comes down and sits
2: in with Howard. Uh, for This is from 2015. So I got to tell you, I was at Bottle Rock. This last, you know, uh, Memorial Day, Pitbull uh-huh. was playing and everyone's like, let's go see football." I was like, "Ah, I, you know, it's hot. I don't want to see it. Mm-hmm. I, I'm telling you, man, I was on the side of the stage. It's just fun. Really? It's just pure fun. The guy's like high energy and stuff. It's dancers, confetti blowing <laughs> out. It's just, it's just silly fun. So
1: uh, I enjoyed it. Patton, wow. If you're not doing anything later, you might as well come back tonight. Uh, and yeah. hang out
3: exactly. you know you might as well, well we, yeah, you know what i that, that's that would actually be no I, I want i want ike and andy and fred to have a little room <laughs> i you know that i'm going to dominate i yeah that's not fair to them it's not fair
1: pass him the yeah. rock he's magic johnson <laughs> let's go to pitbull and howard this is from 2015 check it out
0: listen now on howard 101 and watch the video on the sxm app
4: Excited to see Pitbull. I haven't seen him in a while. He's here to kick off uh, his brand new channel here at Sirius XM. Mr. 305, Mr. Worldwide. Hey there, how are you? Right? What other nicknames do you have that I don't know? You're Mr. (laughs) Worldwide and Mr. 305. How you doing?
5: How you doing, boss? Hey. How you doing? How you doing? Robin, You're Masito, looking good. I appreciate that thing. I'm having a good hair day.
0: You are having
4: a good hair day. Do you ever, I could see that you do have your own hair. You yeah. shave your head, but you do have your own hair. I mean, because I can tell from the follicles on top. No, we got hair. It's just easier to shave and keep it slick, keep it moving. But do you ever say, hey, maybe I'll grow my hair? I mean, you know, most guys would die to have hair. You know what I mean? Yeah. The guys who are bald. You're not bald. No.
5: Am I correct? You're correct. So why shave your head if you have hair? To be able to, you know, uh, stay clean and sharp quick. And not have to uh, depend on anybody to come and cut my hair. Pitbull, is it an OCD thing? Like, you know... Nah. No? Not at all. No way before What him. kind of hair would you have if you did grow it out? Good question. I haven't seen it in a couple years, so I don't You're not curious? <laughs> or, when you go on vacation, do you ever say you screw it? I'm let not me Let me just let it head. grow. No, nah, huh? not at all. Maybe, maybe the beard I let right out, but I would love to let it grow at a certain time. You know, maybe like my, my father. I would my father like to... a nice look to him. Your father did have a nice look did, to him. The 80s look. And know? would he slick it back, the hair? Yeah, that's right. And always had a little comb in his back pocket and hit it up. bam, bam. <laughs> <laughs> What age did you make the decision to start shaving your head? I said about 2000, 2006, 2007. Did it have an influence on your career? Did people all of a sudden say, hey, that's the guy who shaves his head? You know, the look. No, uh, they do is They run up and say, are you really Pitbull? I said, no, I'm Michael Jordan.
4: Yeah, <laughs> but, but in a sense, you got to always be concerned with image, especially in your business, the music business, and you've managed to stay a on look. top. A look. Yeah, and yeah you, I mean, a you know look I mean?
5: is a look, but that's also thing that, you know, uh, people... I think it's more about the character. A lot of people have looks and images, and they try to use the whole, the ah factor, and then it's ah, and then you go, who was that again? Right? (laughs) Isn't it amazing,
4: Pitbull, that you've been able to keep coming up with hit tracks? I mean, it is. Thank God. Thank God, right? Thank the
5: fans. Thank God. It's just, I think when you do what you love, and you're really having fun, and you really don't worry about what the world's talking about, and you're just enjoying yourself, people are tend to read that and also relate to it. In, in this business, mm-hmm. people want to know who you're banging. You know what I mean? <laughs> right? I see Here we go on again. stage, right? Here we go again. No,
4: <laughs> but seriously, they, they want to know. The people want to yeah. know. Not me, but
5: other people want to know. <laughs> How are you keeping this all uh, quiet?
0: On the down low.
5: Yes. Well, I think a lot of people, I would say, call that into their life. They they like that. You know, They like to give their private life out there. Me being a person, the way that uh, I grew up, the kind of guys that I grew up looking up to were always private and so they, you knew exactly what they were doing but they wouldn't talk about it right and and they were very passionate and protective of the things that they loved so when you so go the to same way I look at it.
3: an award show you don't bring a date
5: no 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 nobody
4: what, why not though? i think to me no. the hottest thing you can do when you're a single man yeah say to some you know really hot girl yeah well, i'll tell you what i'm gonna do honey <laughs> I'm going to bring you to the award show. We're going to walk the red carpet. This now, the night.
5: award show would be later. That's the fun part. I mean, there's no point to parade you on, on the red carpet. I don't even do red carpets. You don't?
4: Nah. Why is that? Tell, give me a, you know, because it, it seems to a very tricky thing. When you go to an event, they ask you to walk on these things. And you almost seem like you're being a dick if you don't walk the red no,
5: carpet. No, in no way, shape, or form am I there to, I would say, disrespect. But the thing is, to me, you get on the red carpet and you would love to talk about all the positive things you may have going on in life. And all they're looking for is the negative things, number one, and a sound bite. Number two. Right. So you could be talking to the next person next year and just happen to say, hey, Hey, what's up, fucker? And, you know, just something. Right, right. And, oh, and, he's a foul mouth. Oh, you know, right. look at him. He's saying fucker on the red carpet and this. I said, no, no, you know what? I'd rather just avoid the situation and not let you guys take me for this ride. When you go to an event mm-hmm. like the Billboard Awards and you don't walk
4: the red carpet, do the, the, does the paparazzi yell at you? Do they say, hey, look at this fucking guy. No. Who does he think he is? This kind of thing? No, 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 no. Then how do
0: all. you get in and out without them seeing Through you?
4: Through the back door. <laughs>
5: <laughs> well, there's a will, there's a way, mama
4: <laughs> But you really are a private guy I mean, you yeah. you, you, you have six children Yes sir. With a couple of different women And I asked you the last time I said, you're wearing condoms now And you, you tell me you are You're now behaving there's yourself There's
3: been no more since the last time we no, talked I'm proud of you Since uh, I
4: last spoke to <laughs> you I don't know when it was the last time I got a gang time.
5: swimming in me right now but Right,
4: right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Robin will take a baby oh, from you Sure We make a pretty baby oh, Yeah, yes, come on Yes, we would We make a, we? A, little, a little mulatico <laughs> Yes <laughs> 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 ah. Let me ask you something. Your your image is so good that mm. these politicians, oh boy, they all want you because first mm. of all, you're a Cuban uh, American, correct? Uh, your uh, mom and dad came from Cuba, right? Mm-hmm. They 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 met here in this country,
5: mm-hmm. but uh, they came over from Cuba.
0: How did they and get here?
5: Well, my mom came over in an operation called Peter Pan.
0: Uh-huh. I
5: remember Operation uh-huh. Peter Pan. So she came over with Peter Pan, and my father came over on what they basically call the lottery. Ah, uh, <laughs> okay. you, you know, you get the letter saying, hey, you can you can yeah. leave the country. Yeah. So, from
4: what I remember last time we spoke, your mom was a dancer. She was dancing in a club or something. I mean, and- certain
5: things that she did. My mom's a very well-educated and smart woman and gave me all the survival skills that I needed in life. And if it wasn't for her, I, there's no way, shape, or form I'd be able to be here and enjoying an amazing conversation with you guys that's definitely the truth but yeah she had not only did she deal with that she dealt with my father in the time in the 80s where he brought over boats in the mario boat lift and we all know what was going on in miami in the 80s would you <laughs> perform in cuba
4: now that uh, the
5: the sort of these embargoes have been lifted mm. and performers can go up. would you go there or i can't i can't wait to be able to perform in cuba but i'm gonna let all the hype you know, kind of let everybody go over there and, and, and enjoy it and do what they're going to do because they're going to try to milk it, which yeah. they're doing already. Right. You don't want to be in the first wave. No, nah, yeah. I'd rather come and really do something real special uh, for the What island. do you
4: mean they're trying to milk it? In other words, okay, the doors have been opened to Cuba. Some mm-hmm. performers go over there. It's a new market. Why not? Mm-hmm. They want to they wanna get uh, known over there.
5: I think, it's, I think it's great. I don't take nothing from it. I yeah. mean, Cuba definitely has an amazing reputation even from back in the day. You know, La Habana, Havana was... If you ask me, what spawned the idea for uh, Las Vegas? Right. So being that it was 45 minutes from the States, you had everybody from the mob to celebrities down there.
4: Everyone went there. It was the playground exactly. for uh, people in the which United States. Which is happening States. all over again. History is starting to repeat itself. Is it happening all over again? In what way? I mean, the, the, the Castro regime is still firmly in place, even though Fidel is gone. His brother's in charge.
5: Exactly. But his brother... Uh, Raul. Yeah, he's more, uh, how should I say... Liberal? Uh Nah. I don't, I'm looking for the right words, but you know when we start talking to these Castro guys, it gets interesting. Right. right. <laughs> but I'm sure your mother, you, but your he mother, more but like your mother, like a mo- guy you
3: could talk to, Raúl.
5: Nah, I, I think that he's just more. He likes the business side of things. Right? Uh huh. Right. He was looking. To, he's uh-huh. looking to expand their economy, right. which is
4: in big trouble. Right. And
5: always been in big trouble.
4: Always right? been in big trouble. But nevertheless, they always kind of stuck to not deal, doing business with the United States or trying to open up diplomatic channels.
5: Those are all deals that, that a lot of things happen. If you ask me, when you have what happened with Kennedy, man, he rest in peace, and you had the Bay of Pigs, and that went down, and those are certain... I think he was playing chess when right. you talk about Fidel Castro, when you talk about uh, the Russian missile crisis.
4: When you grew uh, up, though, did your parent your parents were probably firmly anti-Castro uh, well, and hated uh, his regime, I would assume.
5: Well, there's two things. My My... You know, Abuela, my grandmother Well, look, you have my aunt, Tia Political prisoner Abuela was one of the first revolutionary women With Castro in a thing called the Sierra Maestra And that's how they figured out You know, when she's seen it uh, firsthand, what was going on, that's how they got my mother out. Right. Peter in other words, Penn. your mother
4: believed in Castro at first. My grandmother. My your grandmother believed will, in Castro first yes. because uh, he was someone who was saying, hey, let's... Uh, majority b- of Cuba believed in Cuba. Yeah, yeah it was a
0: liberation movement yeah, yeah. at that time. You know?
4: and, and
5: that then, was Batista they had in there before.
4: Yeah. But then he betrayed his people, uh, by our opinion anyway. Mm-hmm. And and certainly, uh, your grandmother had to become anti-Castro, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so now, to see a lot of... Uh, I have a cousin who's Cuban and, uh, and she she lives in Florida. She's like uh, very much against the Castro regime, Mm -hmm. doesn't want to see anybody uh, giving them any kind of support until the people are completely free there. So, you know, it's a touchy situation for a Cuban-American. It is a
5: touchy subject, but let me tell you something, and and this is my way of flipping it. So when I speak to my kids, I I, I always, uh, look, if you don't know where you're from, you don't know where you're going. If you don't stand for something, you fall for anything. So with the kids, I always try to give them their roots and tell them the stories on what's happened within the family. But one thing I want to be able to, I've been putting in my I said I want you to understand the history. But when people talk about Castro, I want you to hit them with, who is that guy? You know, and I just think that talking about Castro for so many years within our culture has given him that power and that clout and I think he loves it. So for him to be able to sit back and either read articles or see things that the United States have been talking about, then he in his chessboard he said checkmate. Right. So to I think the next generation for us to be able to go who is that again? Who, who are we talking about? Oh, open you, up the doors. Yes, you, and, you, know, you and, take and, that away.
4: And bring them capitalism or whatever, and uh, their economy will grow, and
5: maybe they'll just sort of join the world. Well, it's going to be, uh, I think it was even Carlos Slim, had. Uh, from, I don't want to misquote him, but he called it the, the gold rush of the Caribbean. And I think that um, Cuba, when it opens up, is going to be something very interesting, being 45 minutes from the States, like I said before. And it's such a huge island, and it has a lot to offer. And I, ironically, and it's well kept together not as far as the buildings but everything around it hasn't really been touched so it's gonna a lot of people are gonna enjoy it and uh, so this will be
4: the first time you ever go to Cuba when you go there no I've, I've been to Cuba oh, I went to been. Cuba
5: 2001 yep. uh, I, I kind of knew where the career was going and I wanted to do it before any politician or anybody could talk about what I you know me going to Cuba the way I looked at it is I just wanted to see wow, you know, where my people are from and why we are so passionate about our culture. These politicians now mm-hmm. are seeing you as a goldmine. you got <laughs> millions of Twitter followers. Yeah. You
4: are in touch with the Hispanic community. You're also uh, a very popular with uh, the entire community mm-hmm. in the world. And they see an endorsement from you as extremely important, especially in the upcoming election. Now, you have performed at the White House for the president.
5: Yeah, that was amazing. Is Talk that amazing? plan a, a dream come true. Well, when you say a dream come true, do you get to hang with the president? No, I didn't get a chance to, to hang with him like that. But for, for me to be a first-generation Cuban-American in the way that I've been raised, to be able to appreciate the opportunity to control your own destiny and freedom of the United States and then be in the backyard of the White House performing... For, you know, all the soldiers that allow us to have this freedom, Pfft, man, I mean, that's, that's priceless. It's unbelievable. Yeah, no. And it is pretty, considering, you know, we
4: last time you were on, we talked about your upbringing. It was no mm-hmm. party. <laughs> uh, you know, your parents broke up, mm-hmm. then you're th- thrown in with the grandmother, mm-hmm. and then your mother reclaims you. Then finally you had a, a reconciliation with your dad. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that, that shit's heavy, you know. The odds of you becoming Mr. Worldwide, Mr. 305, <laughs> were
5: probably nil, right? <laughs> what an honor for you to say that. (laughs) Mr. Worldwide. I love that. (laughs) That's great. You say it enough, man. It happens. Let me tell you. One thing that my mother grew, you know, raised me to think is never victimize yourself on what went on. Now, for me, that was just normal. Uh, that was my normality growing up. I didn't understand that it was something yeah, but when you're bad being, in other people's but eyes. But when you're
4: being raised by a foster family in Georgia at a very young age and you, you, before your mother took you back, that shit looks pretty bleak to a kid, right? Where's my mother? I want my mother. Uh, you know what just I mean? My,
5: my mom was a very, how should I say, the, the, the lines of communication between me and my mother were very direct and they were very blunt, and she spoke to me when I was young just... Real. So when I ended up there, she didn't. it wasn't like, hey, uh, I'm going to put you here because I don't love you no more. No, I'd rather you be here. you got a roof over your head. I know you got food every day You'll be protected. Than to be in the situation where I'm at. So once I get back on my feet, believe me, you, I'm coming back up to, to Was that world. family and nice to you? Was the family in Georgia nice to you? Very nice to me. And it got to a point where they started to, I would say, even fall in love with me. Yes. When they fell in love with me and they used it. I was in second grade in Roswell, Georgia. And she, they said, uh, the sister said, my parents are thinking of adopting you. And adopting, I, didn't, I couldn't remember the word. My mom right. would call me every day and I said, Mom, they, they use this word. It started with an A. I think it's adapt, a job. And she said, adopt? I said, yeah. She goes, get your shit together. You got two hours. I'm coming to pick you up. And I never seen that family again. But, really? how, but, but, but wow. you know, people,
4: how beautiful that yeah. they fell in love with you and mm-hmm. cared about you. That yeah, is no, true.
5: And you've never seen the family that again? that family, if, if by any way, shape or form, and because, you know, the law of attraction is so amazingly powerful, I want to tell them, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. How long it. did you live with them? I did about uh, six months. Have they ever gotten in touch with you no. since you
4: become uh, Mr.
5: Worldwide? No. I, How
3: would would they know that? Maybe you, they tried, I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't
4: know.
5: I mean yeah. really an amazing family to take you in for I six guarantee months. you now that we're talking about it one way or another, I'm gonna run into somebody. I hope they do really. Mm-hmm. I mean I don't it think would it, be nice, I don't yeah. think it would be mm-hmm. negative, it seems like no the, way, and yeah. they're not looking
4: for anything. Uh, but but getting back to this pol- political thing. Mm-hmm. Because of your upbringing, because of your fame and also I think people just like you. Yeah, um uh, like, like Jeb Bush has expressed his admiration, you know, like they're literally actively. Pursuing Can you
3: really trust these people? Jeb,
5: Jeb is funny. I got a funny story about Jeb.
4: Former governor of uh, California. I mean, no, of, uh, Florida. Florida. So, yeah. okay, right. And you, you know,
5: you love Florida. yeah. Uh, so I'm sitting down with Jeb and Jeb's like, hey, so how'd you get the, the name Pitbull? And I said, well, you know, I was on the way to a Pitbull fight, Dominican friend of mine. I was like, yo, that should be your name. You know, you're always out here fighting these guys and battling and rapping and this and that. I said, man, Pitbull would sound great. And Jeb goes, well, good thing you weren't on the way to a (laughs) cockfight. What are you going to (laughs) do? I was, Jeb, that was pretty slick. That was, that was You got to be
4: smart about this because if you do it, I know you've said, I'm not about political candidates. I'm not about politics, but what if Jeb Bush says to you, look, Pitbull. Mm-hmm. Either shit or get off the pot. Uh-huh. You're supposed to be a friend of mine. I need your endorsement. But let's face it. There's like 90 Republican candidates. No. Do we
0: owe Jeb Bush anything? Do
4: we Do we
5: want to? Are you I mean, going you to endorse him? you got Jeb Bush. You got Marco Rubio. Yeah. Right. You know, you have all uh, right. And the, I like how you say that, by the way. Marco well, how Rubio. did he say well, Marco, that? Marco. do I say what is it? Marco Rubio. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Marco Rubio. <It's> Marco Rubio. <laughs> yeah. You got to get that R together. Marco Rubio. <laughs> <think> that, <laughs> that'll keep women in your life. <laughs> it's like a billion. <laughs> oh, the R. There yeah. you go. You roll that. Exactly that's how enough, you do it? Right. That's You're in the game. See, this is a voluntary muscle. The other can be an involuntary muscle. So you know that this will always so be So you working. will
4: not endorse a candidate?
5: No, it's not. It's, you know, it's an honor to be able to you know, even speak about people and what they think that somehow, some way I could you know, because they're looking at it as swaying vote. That's Right. right i don't look at it like that i look at it what's be- what's best for the for the country me personally am i here to endorse anybody no i definitely hang out and i'd love to learn from everybody and hear different conversations and what's going on um if there's any way that i can help without getting involved in that political field that to me is the best i would say solution yes. in our situation because like i tell you my, my you know my grandmother well i and my mom and all of them always say there's two things you don't speak about which is politics and religion religion have you been contacted by multiple candidates asking if you would endorse them no there's never no one has contacted me uh, asking for an endorsement they just always reaching out just having conversation you know they may hit me and say congratulations great performance at the billboards things like that but no one has uh come out up, up front and said hey we want you a part of our political party or our campaign. By the way, that was a great performance at the billboards. And I'm not sure yeah. I, really I, I,
4: I said it on the air. It was a really, really solid performance. Thank and you. Uh, a lot of these shows, man, it, we were talking about Britney Spears there. And I know you don't like to be critical of anyone. I get it.
5: She looked gorgeous.
4: She looked great, but but the lip syncing is so out of control that you don't even feel like you're watching
5: a a performance. performance, Right. I think it's just hard. Well, and I want to say thank you to to Chris Brown for coming through and performing the record "Fun" with us. when you have somebody up there that's dancing and moving, you know, I know you can't you can't do it all. It's tough. Yeah, it's real right. tough. So I can I can definitely.
4: But it, as a viewer, like, it comes off poorly when uh, some of these people are are lip syncing. and then you see a guy. I watched your performance all the way through. Thank you. And I watched uh, the guy uh, take me to the church hosier. You know. Oh, sure. Because it was mm-hmm. live. You know, it felt it felt good. Now, did you get crap from working with Chris Brown because no. of his Rihanna situation? No, 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 no. You
5: didn't. Nah. No, did me, you? Chris Brown? I don't think he really got a situation because growing up around the neighborhoods we grew up around everybody had that kind of situation so to me it's normal but I don't think that uh, I think Chris is phenomenally talented he's right. just one of There's those no guys question. that's just too talented you know right. mm-hmm. and, and it's funny because I grabbed him at, um, at the award shows in Miami which is on the Spanish side it's called Premio, Premio Los Nuestros and I told him I said Chris man you know you got such an amazing opportunity in front of you and no matter what you do one way or another people just accept you But could you imagine if you would channel your energy in in I wouldn't say in a positive direction I'm sure he really tries it, but just watch what you're doing. Just try to give him some advice And to be honest with you, I can't wait till he really makes that tweak. Mm-hmm. It, it, that's all it is. It's a tweak. I promise you, that's what it is. You mean
4: you felt comfortable enough with him? Because I know you guys are friends. Do I, mm-hmm. you feel comfortable enough with him to sit him down as a friend and it say, look? It was backstage.
5: They didn't sit him down. It was right. just giving him a mm, real quick little piece of advice. Was
4: he able? That's real good advice. Mm-hmm. Was he able to take that in and say thank you? Or did he say, hey, man, why don't you mind your own fucking no, business? Way,
5: shape. No, he, he said, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. You know what I mean? a whole lot. He's a, I'm telling you, he's a good kid. You could tell he's got a good heart. It's just certain situations. But it is risky business for you to record with him, right? No. When, did any of your advisors say to you, look, stay no, away from this guy? No, you, no, no, Nobody advises me but myself, to be honest with you. Is I that make true? the final decision. Yeah, I mean, you, you have options to make an educated decision, but at the end of the day, Chris, to me, is, is an amazing talent, and I would work with him over and over and over again. And any times we're at award shows together, it's always a pleasure. And he, I'm telling you, he's a good kid, good heart. Sometimes, uh, Such as myself, never been a troublemaker. Just always was around some trouble. Yeah.
4: Well, he he made the trouble. I mean,
5: he did. He (laughs) did hit a woman. uh, It was very well publicized. But
0: since then, it seems that it's the people around him. He's definitely moved in
5: the right direction. And like I said, into any story is her story, his story, and then the truth. So we really don't know how that what what came about. So, like I said, Nick. (laughs)
4: <laughs> yeah. Well I mean the performance Good thing is, is the, performance is fine. Yeah, He's but,
5: great and uh, like I said I'm I'm looking forward to making a whole lot more records with him.
4: I want to uh, congratulate you. We're here to celebrate the Pitbull channel, which is not even a pop-up channel. It's going to be a permanent it's channel great. here as part of SiriusXM. The channel's not called Pitbull. It's called Globalization. Globalization. Yes. And uh, that's sort of your theme for uh, this year, right? To be global, to be to be around the world.
5: Well, any, anything if you've noticed in the last couple of years, I had Planet Pit, one of the albums and I had um, Um, global warming and now globalization so the only thing that I'm really able to speak about is the world at this point because that's all I'm seeing yeah. You know, so when you hear me saying in the word, in the movie, sorry about that, in the song Fun, when I say fresh from Monaco, performing from Microsoft, from Miami to LA, G4, we're taking off. Like, that's just, I'm just giving you what's going on in my life. Right. Yeah. You, you still uh, renting that G4? You still running
4: around in that I'm thing?
5: Still, still, yeah. When are you going to buy a G4? No, nah, I don't know. You know, I told you, man, if it flies, floats, or fucks, rent it. But <laughs> <laughs> speaking of that, you got to go down to the Bahamas and Miami with me. Yeah, I'll be divorced if I go with you. No, <laughs> oh, man, you know. What goes, right, what we'll happens Divorce party What happens <laughs> What happens if I hang
4: with you Seriously Am I gonna well, let's The, the great orgy? thing
5: about Hanging with me Is that everybody around me Has the old school mentality Of no phones No pictures No cameras And it's, everything stays In your mind And like I say What happens in Miami Never happens Let's say in I'm Vietnam, hanging with N- you It never
0: even happened yeah,
5: I, I got what I said What happens in Vegas Stays in Vegas What happens in Miami Never happens But if it did happen <laughs> It stayed in Vegas So you're straight Don't worry about yeah, it
4: Yeah but wait a second So if I'm hanging with you That <laughs> yeah. means nobody Whips out a cell phone no. And starts taking pictures No 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 These no, no. fucking Assholes ruin it every time. Yeah, yeah. I have friends. That they always surreptitiously they're taking out that everything. goddamn cell yeah. phone. You know, I want funny. to crack them over the fucking yeah, I head. I
5: say you guys are so busy taking pictures, you're missing the big picture. Right, you're missing life. You're missing life. But growing up around, and I can be straight with you. So therefore, and and that's what I love is this conversation. Thank you. Growing up in the cocaine capital, meaning Miami, all I seen a lot. What I seen growing up was cocaine. So I seen what the the habit of being addicted to something was. Mm-hmm. So then you can really watch somebody's character and personality and tell you okay this person will be hooked to an eight ball pff, within six hours <laughs> uh-huh. i know i can come back and see him by next week he's on announce right uh-huh. time he's announced he's on a, you know on a court whatever it may be and i'm watching phones now and phones the new dope yeah so what happens when you you are now welcoming or telling people you're saying hey from your five-year-old to your grandmother you guys are on the same dope do you know how much negative energy you got on that phone right now? You carry around with you. I guarantee you, because they were asking me, "Do you read anything? Do you see what they blog? Do you see what they do?" I was like, Hell no, I don't read none of that shit. Who gives a fuck? Yeah, I definitely don't give a fuck. What so co- I stayed on a on a. What, what do you got? A little Blackberry. You, you oh, have a Blackberry? Blackberry? Yeah. Yeah. You're not yeah, that's on the iPhone. Right? That's Jesus, it. But you right. know what? At least it's encrypted and nobody's <laughs> going to get in my <laughs> shit. <laughs> All right. Well, that's <laughs> true. A lot of people should have took uh, my advice. That's right. Sorry, Clinton. Right. All of them. Okay. That's right. one's gonna get on a Blackberry. God,
4: God knows what's going on on that yeah, Blackberry. Hopefully it the stocks. <laughs> 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 All right. Listen, uh, Pitbull, you're a great guy. Thank you, man. I appreciate it so much, Howard. That's an honor. We'll be back right after the Once again, thank you, Howard. Thank you. Thank you.
0: See exclusive video. From that Stern Show moment, now. On now, now. the SXM app. Sternthology. Powered 101.